From the Theology of the Body Institute, this is the Discerning Marriage Podcast, hosted by Elizabeth Busby. Thank you for joining us. Today's episode is a discernment story, and these bring me so much joy because I loved seeing how God moves in each person's life to write a unique love story, both with him, but with the person's beloved. And I'm especially thrilled to get to share this story with y'all because it is epic and it is so fun to listen to. And God's hand is over every discernment story, but God's hand is, I feel like, in a special way over this discernment story, over these two people who you know, 50 years ago, may have never gotten the chance to meet, but the Lord moved through so many things to bring them together. So our guests today are named Will and Rebecca Hickel. Hey, y'all. Hi. Hi. I am so excited to have you. So not only does Will own the record label, Novum Records, um, who produced the theme song, actually he wrote the theme song to our podcast, but he and I were friends in college at Texas A&M, actually through our exes. So, So funny to see how life turned out all these years later. But then I had the joy of meeting Rebecca through him, and her friendship has been one of the greatest treats from the Lord this year in my life. And so there's so many amazing elements of this story that I want to unpack for all of you, but I'm just going to let him tell it, and then we'll process. So the way we're going to do it is we'll have Rebecca talk first for a little bit, and then we'll talk for a little bit, and then when their stories combine, we'll just all chat, and it'll be super fun. So are you all ready to get started? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> all right. We'll start with you, Rebecca. How did you know that you were called to marriage? Yeah, you um, actually pre-let us know some of those questions. And I was thinking (laughs) about that earlier today because I'm not sure there was necessarily any moment that I was like, that's it, I'm called to marriage. I think that there's a natural desire in us, right, as humans, um, particularly I think as Christians to like want marriage and to see that. Um, But I'm not sure I necessarily felt like there was one particular call as much as I just wanted to grow up knowing that I was living life more fully alive. I think that's Mm. eventually the terminology I started using. I'm not sure I would have used that when I was 15 or 16, Mm. um, as we all grow. Um, But I think for me, um, it was actually just much more of a process of unfolding. Um, I might actually semi-dive into the second question that you sent us. It was about religious (laughs) life and have we ever descended. And for me, the two were kind of very interlinked partly because I almost ended up seeing them as almost like a singular vocation, but like lived out in two different ways. There's actually not a lot of difference between being a married spouse and a wife and being a religious sister. Mm -hmm. And like, there's something very beautiful about that. And therefore I kind of reached a place of peace of like, whichever it ends up being, I'm okay with. Um, Now that took time and we had to like reach that stage. And um, I think that there was a lot of wrestling and singleness for me with Mm -hmm. that. Because how old were you when you guys got married? We were 30 when we got (laughs) married, Um, which I think particularly in the US is very old. It felt very old for me, but I also recognize that growing up in the UK and particularly living in London, people don't get married very quickly. So being married at 30 is still relatively young for my friendship group. Most of them are not married, Um, but not having a long-term partner was Mm -hmm. very weird. So I was definitely not in that process. So people will date for a long time, be in a long-term committed relationship, but not actually get married until their 30s usually. 
and recognizing I think that there's much more of a secular culture that people mm. will just live with their partners earlier because gotcha. it's expensive and we need to put our careers first and blah, blah, blah. Like there's a different culture, I think, surrounding that. So I found either you had like the super Christian people that were married at 20, not that there was a lot of them. And then there was like the super not Christian people that won't get married until like 35. Hmm. So like there's this really weird like in the middle. Sure. So I mean, at 30, it wasn't that odd from your, from like a cultural, your friendship perspective. Right. But from an ache perspective, you felt like you've been aching for a while. Absolutely. Yep. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think we can all relate to that. (laughs) Yes. Um, And I didn't date a lot. I had one semi-serious relationship that was three months in total which felt like it was super serious at the time and then obviously it didn't last very long. So I like feel weird even saying that to people. If like, How oh, old yes. were you? Were you I at was 23. Okay, so after. So I went through almost all of high school and all of university without somebody. And then like I was in, I did mission work um, with my diocese and that's how I kind of ended up in ministry. And this was someone that I did ministry with. We'd known each other for over a year. We were like, and it was... There was a lot of things in that that I think were very beautiful. And then there was a lot of things that it just didn't work out. Um, And like, it was kind of one of those life-defining relationships in as much as I had to like learn and grow a lot through that. Um, But I also just had a lot of time. (laughs) And in many ways, um, I think that it was just a real... Now when I look back, I think that there was a definite gift of grace to one, protect me from falling into potentially patterns that I, you know, almost that St. Therese quote of like, she would have fallen into all of these things had the Lord not spared her. Mm -hmm. And I think that like university me would have probably been a very different thing. Mm. So I do think that there was a recognition of the Lord just protecting me from that. Um, Because I never had to say no to sex before marriage until I was with Will, because I was never in that position. Sure. So like there was a reality to chastity wasn't a thing I struggled with in like, that physical, I'm now in like this position with this guy. Obviously there's chastity in terms of like thought and process and a whole bunch of other things, right? Yes, but yes. I love that you're saying this. I think it's going to resonate so well with people. Yeah, I just, I don't know. It's a very uninteresting story, but it's not in some ways. I think that it's very, I just, I had a lot of time to work that out. Now the gift of that being, I don't think I have the same wounds, right? I haven't mm. had the relationships that were as destroying or like I've just given years of my life to this thing now I did with this one there were two things that I think I really struggled with one was I felt like as we broke up he like confirmed the lie that I believed about myself Mm. that I was uninteresting Mm -hmm. and like that was this whole thing that I had to like work through a lot so even by the time that I met Will I was just in a much better place so that was just I recognized that as my own woundedness and it meant that when I came into this relationship I was aware of it and I could tell him which was Mm. a huge thing so important Um, but the other thing I remember struggling with at the time was how I felt like God called me to this relationship and then very quickly called me out and Mm. I couldn't understand how I got the discernment so wrong. Right. Mm. Like it was almost like, why would you do that to me? Why would I be here? Apart from now I look back and I'm like, one, I think there was a mercy of God protecting us of like, this wasn't the relationship for you, but there was something important about the beginning Mm -hmm. process of like learning to take that step and step out in trust of him and like learn to like fall in love a little bit. And I think like that was like my decision when it came back to like the religious life thing is I was, I did end up going on some discernment retreats. I feel like I'm jumping around all over the place. Sorry. I'm following you. You're good. I felt like when I was like reaching my later twenties and you're like, shoot, is this ever going to happen? I ended up because I also worked in ministry, I felt like I spent a lot of time talking to people about the need to be open to religious life. 
And I had to really question myself of, was I also open to religious life? Mm. And I ended up being like, you know what? I'm just going to start saying yes to different opportunities. Be that a date, be that a discernment opportunity, whatever. I'm just going to, not that I had a lot of offers of dates, but I was like, I'm just just going to learn to say yes. (laughs) So, and weirdly, some of them did come up and it was like this sort of, I had a couple of just dates and like coffees and dinners. And then there was also, I ended up doing like maybe four or five different like weekends in different places with different religious. And I reached this stage and I can't remember how many years it was before Will, but I felt like I was just forcing myself to do this. Like it was a, Lord, I have to do something. So I'm going to make this happen. The discernment, the religious discernment. Well, for both actually, if like I'm putting myself out there on these dates that I don't a hundred percent really want to go for, but I'm trying to say, yes, I'm trying to be open. And I felt like I was like semi forcing myself into trying to be like open to, and, and it's a funny thing. I do think that opens being important, but I, the, the gut reaction I had was that I was forcing myself to like be present on these weekends and to like go on these dates. And I was just like, do I really, do I really want this? And I remember sort of coming home a couple of times from both things being like, I'm just so glad to be home. Um, (laughs) now I think that's partly my introvert self is like, Oh, my own bed. And it's delightful. But also just that, I think it was just exhausting being there and trying to be this sort of, let me engage. So I remember my prayer being like, Lord, I don't mind what it is. I just want to fall in love with you. That's Mm. what I want the experience to be is a falling in love versus a me trying to make it happen. Like forcing it to happen. Yeah. Right. Like I want to receive this gift from you as opposed to trying to grasp this gift in my own way. So there was a lot of that for me. Um, Right at the beginning of my mission year, we ended up going to this place called Walsingham. You're going to hear a lot about this. I'm just going to tell you the story now. Because Walsingham is the shrine of Our Lady in England. And it has been a huge and beautiful part of my story and later in our story. Um, And I went first time back in 2012. So I would have been 22. And when I was there, so Walsingham um, used to be one of the major pilgrimage sites of Europe. Mm. Um, And it was built um, as a shrine of the Annunciation. So Our Lady appeared to this noble woman, Richeldis, in 1061 and asked her to rebuild the House of Nazareth. Um, and it was like this major pilgrimage site that was totally destroyed in the Reformation. So almost oh, nothing is left, goodness. which is a fascinating thing. That is fascinating. And now we're starting to like come back and like the devotion and people being able to go back to the shrine is possible now. And it's, it's a beautiful place to go. So if you ever are in England and you want to go, quintessential Britain, it's beautiful <laughs> and it's stunning, kind of in the middle of nowhere. But it is wonderful. And the first time we went was at the end of like my first mission year. And I remember being there and the prayer that I had was that like the Annunciation is also like that yes to vocation. Mm. That there is this Mm. yes to being the free, total, faithful, fruitful. And that Our Lady in a particular way was that, that like Jesus Christ became present physically, tangibly in and through her. And it was because of that yes. And I think the Annunciation from that point has become like this life-defining mystery in my life. It's the one that I feel like I keep coming back to. And I remember being there at 22, feeling like this is important for my vacation, Mm. which at the time I didn't really know what that was going to look like other than there was just this thing. Now, maybe it was just because it was to do with receptivity, right? Our lady learning to be receptive and saying yes. And that yes to not being fully in control necessarily, but like there's a whole bunch of things. So one of the religious groups that I ended up semi going on retreat with was the community of Our Lady of Walsingham. So there was like this question of like, is it this place? Is it these people? Is it just the mystery and learning to say yes? That 
didn't necessarily make any sense until when we started looking back at our story um, and watching what God did in his in Will's heart during that that was just so confirming to me um, but of course it's like a step-by-step process right I can look back at certain things now yes. and be like that made sense and then there are other things that I'm like that didn't make any sense and it still doesn't or whatever um, you say yes in the moment with hope but not knowing how the Lord is going to use that yes. And that it can be a scary yes, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and if anything, like I feel like it's funny how some of my friends at home have been like, well, at least you're married now, which is true. And I am married and this is a great joy. <laughs> but I'm also, I've never been so uncontrolled and so unaware of what my life would be like. I've actually <laughs> left like everything behind to move sure to this did. place across the planet, which is now in like global pandemic. And it's funny because one of the things that I didn't like about the idea of religious life, certain religious orders are like, you can't see your family for a year. I'm like, gosh, that sounds horrific. And now I'm like in this marriage that where I might not be able to see my family and go home for a year. And like, just this sort of like, what's the Lord trying to do in my heart and like pull me closer? It's not like, it's this punishment of like, see anything that there's a a recognition of he's pulling me into something that is deeper and it's not always comfortable, but I think I've learned mostly through the singleness, to be honest, I think Mm. that there was a lot of, this isn't a comfortable state to be in, but that I have to learn to be a gift and to be present and to see my life for the fullness of what it is. So at least Theology of the Body for me was a huge part of that because actually when I first heard about it, it was a lot to do with relationships and I wasn't really all that interested because I wasn't in a relationship and I didn't really want to be reminded of not being in a relationship, right? (laughs) Um, And actually it was watching that process unfold of actually this is about living your fullness as a human being. And actually, so Emily Stimson Chapman wrote this Mm -hmm. book about these lovely bones and it's like finding theology of the body in like the everyday. And I just loved it. It helped to put into words all of these things that I've been feeling of actually eating a meal with people is important and doing your laundry can be a glorification of the Lord. Mm. And like that works just as much. And we talk about that all the time in like the new motherhood, right? Of like, as you're doing the dishes, you can also pray. But that's also just as true for me having to go into work and to deal with those people in my life that are like, potentially I'm struggling with or like they're forcing me to grow right being in community forces us to grow because we're surrounded by people that are different to ourselves and I have Mm -hmm. to learn to love you and you're the people that are in my life and I have to learn to love you and that was I think just a great gift of growth for me um that has been a great fruit I think for us in our marriage um but yeah that it came a lot through the singleness. (laughs) Oh, I love that so much. All right, now, Will, Mm -hmm. I want to hear how you knew that you were called to marriage. And while we're at it, whether discernment of priesthood or religious life played a role in that journey. Yeah, sure. Um, So, I I don't know, I guess from a younger age, I kind of always um, was longing to be married. Um, I I couldn't tell you what age I started having that feeling, but... but as a kid. Yeah, as a kid, yeah, I always, I always wanted to be a dad and and um, and have you know a wife and everything. And um, as I got older, thankfully I was surrounded by good community. Um, the parish I grew up at, our pastor was really good about um, promoting religious life. You know, especially you know he joked like, "All right, you teens, you know, you graduates from high school, you can always go to the seminary or <laughs> after college, whatever." So he was he was kind of joking, but and it, it gave us a really solid push and even really 
uh, encouraged parents to be okay with that. Like, mm, I you love know, that. during, during mass, you know, it was the life teen mass. And so he'd be like, parents, you know, um, he would do his, sometimes he'd do a spiel like, Hey, you know, we need more vocations, but, 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 you know, for real, we actually need you parents to be more supportive, you know, um, wow. of like, of encouraging your kids to discern it. Oh, I love and that. And so it was, it was really, um, it was really awesome because I remember as like a 17 or 18 year old, um, my mom, after one of those homilies after dinner was just like, you know, I, I hope you know that like, you know, me and your father would be okay and we would love and support if you became a priest. Oh, and I was my like, goodness. oh, that's really cool. And what courage she had. Yeah, I know. Shout out to mom. Um, <laughs> all the moms Absolutely. out there. Um, so, uh, so that was cool. And I think that was like the first like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe priesthood. I don't know. I've never thought about it. And then fast forward to uh, going to A&M, whoop, um, and, uh, and learning about Theology of the Body. Um, Speaking it, of, my baby crying in the background. <laughs> Uh, le- learning about theology of the body, and um, I was, uh, which is this is kind of cool, full circle. I'm a huge fan of Christopher West because that was my first exposure to it with the Revolution yeah. at yeah. AM. Which is our college ministry that we did together. Right, right, yeah. at AM. Yeah, so um, first being exposed, um, I think through the Gift DVD series. Uh-huh. So after our big unveiling reality event, yeah. we did small groups right. and yeah, we yeah. unpacked the Gift because it was 2008 and that was our option. Yeah, no, great DVD, Christopher. <laughs> it was awesome. Um, <laughs> but but what was cool in the way that he kind of unfolded um, just the teaching um, was I remember talking about celibacy for the kingdom and and just kind of hearing that perspective of like oh you know this you know those who say yes and give their lives to the church um, are not it's not better but it's like a step closer to sure. heaven because um, yeah. we need both vocations. Um, but but how like there is fulfillment and joy and um, just there there can be a flourishing as a religious and and um, and then of course being at A and M we had great priests and sisters around and just great examples of what um, saying yes and devoting your whole life um, to the church and, and to Jesus um, how you can be satisfied in a sense mm. um, and so. I think, you know, around 2021, uh, years old, not the year, um, <laughs> I, I was, I was very open to it. I never, I never actually went on a discernment retreat, but I knew that like in my heart, I wasn't closed off and it was definitely something, um, that was on my mind. But I, I think at the end of the day, in the back of my head in in the back or front or all around of my heart, <laughs> um, I, I think I was just, I was really longing for, um, just having a family. And I knew that, that, that even though I was open to priesthood and I, I thought, yeah, I, I think I could be a good priest. Um, but I, something inside of me is just like, I, I really feel like the Lord's calling me to marriage. Um, but also for anyone listening, if you're like, yeah, I could be a good dad too, or a good priest. It's like, you, we should, we should as men be able to be good at both. Mm. Um, the best priests would make great dads and the best dads would make great priests. Like exactly. the virtues that are necessary in mm-hmm. one of them is necessary in the other. There's a, that's, we call them father for a reason. There's a, a paternity right. that is so critical. Um, and if you feel like you wouldn't be a good priest, so you're going to be a dad, that's a problem. Like press into that. Sure. Yeah, no. Because you're no. not probably not going to be that great of a dad. Right. If you, it, well, what's holding you back from being a good priest right. would probably be a better, more charitable way of saying that. <laughs> sure, and sure. press into that and ask the Lord about that. 
Yeah, and I mean, you know, like, I like the idea of kind of being able to um, almost be, because I wanted to, I, I do want to be a father, and so, yeah, kind of on the, along those lines, I'm like, well, um, realizing after talking to some solid priests and, you know, diving more into TOB, et cetera, just realizing, oh, yeah, I, I could be a father figure um, spiritually, like, mm. um, and even me and Rebecca talk about now how, like, we don't have kids yet, but we still feel like we do have spiritual children as a mm. married couple and as we, like, host people coming over and pour into some of our younger peers. So, yeah. So, let's transition now okay. into how you met each other, which I love this yes. story. I have a deep affection for England. I think I've even talked about it on <laughs> here before. So even just listening to you was delightful to me. Okay, so tell me how you met each other. This story is so fun. Yeah, I think Will should start that. Yeah, okay, okay. Um, I mean, how, how much detail do we want? <laughs> we have time. Okay. Okay, cool. So, uh, so there was a season in my life um, where I was a full-time musician and, um, and we got hired to go to England uh, with another theology of the body uh, ministry called Dumb Ox Ministries. So great. Shout out to them. I'll yes. put a link in the show notes. They're oh, cool. Oh, yeah, they're they awesome. Cool. So um, the a little bit further back, um, back in 2016, me and my bandmate Eric uh, with our band Novum, we we bought these really cheap plane tickets to California. It was like 360 bucks for the two oh. of us to fly wow. total. So yeah. fun. On like that is a regular airline. Perks of being single, you just <laughs> yeah. hop on a plane and go. Right. Regular airline, regular time. <laughs> That's amazing. It wasn't anything, it wasn't like seven layovers. It was like direct to wow. Orange County. So we uh, linked up with a buddy. We were there for 10 days. We did a bunch of gigs. God showed up. He definitely showered us with love and graces and a lot of affirmation and confirmation that music was what I should be doing. And at mm. the time I was working for a big four accounting firm, not really loving it, not being super fulfilled. And so when we got off that trip, I was like, oh my gosh, dude, I, I have to do music full time. And he's like, go for it. And I was like, okay. And so I was going to quit, but I ended up getting laid off um, a month before I was going to quit. Huh. And most people, you know, layoffs aren't the greatest, but in my case, it was the best uh -huh. because I was already going to leave, but then I also got to collect um, severance and unemployment. And I could really see the Lord's provision in that because I needed that, that runway um, to be able to fill up my calendar to do music full time, and so it was a huge trust fall. And this whole that whole season was just a lot of um, leaning into God's provision, and and you know, um, a huge gift to to really learn how to trust. Because you know, I had a mortgage at the time, and I had you know no renters, and so it's like all these expenses, my mortgage, my car, all everything else, and then like okay, I got a little bit of help like with unemployment and stuff, but. I can't live off this forever and sure. gigs were starting to fill up. But then randomly this guy was like, Hey, I need a place, you know, in Sugarland, which people who move <laughs> to Houston, they don't normally want to live in Sugarland because it's outside. But this guy's like, I'm, I need to outside go to the loop. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and language. so he's like, I need to live in Sugarland because I'm going to U of H Sugarland. I'm like, dude, I live seven minutes from there. And he's like, awesome. So like, you know, got that roommate just in time and then another roommate, another. And so just a lot of provision. And so because um, I, I kind of wanted to, in a good way, test the Lord's generosity. I was like, Eric, let's buy cheap plane tickets again, but go somewhere else. Why don't we go to <laughs> London? Because I found these on British Airways for 550 bucks a person, which is to this day still the cheapest I've flown over there. Mm -hmm. And I've been over there a lot. Um, <laughs> and so, um, so we, we bought the tickets for like seven months in advance. 
And then it was like two months later that Eric was with Dumb Ox and they, and they were like, hey man, how's Nova? And he's like, oh, we just released an album, blah, blah, blah. And we're also going to be in England um, in October to, to gig. And they're like, oh, cool, where? Uh, do, you, do you know where? And he's like, no, we haven't really figured anything out yet. And they're like, well, what dates are you going? And he's like, October 16th, whatever. And they're like, dude, we are literally going to be there the exact same time. And we need musicians. Oh, my god! Because we haven't booked any yet. Oh, my god! And, we're, and Eric told me, I was like, I looked up and I was like, all right, God, I see you. I see you. And so um, we were totally provided with all of these gigs. They even um, extended our trip to a third week. Um, and flew us to Ireland, so we, you know, we got to play and minister and do a lot of theology of the body stuff over there. But anyway, so, um, you know, so we were there for three weeks, and Rebecca was uh, working for the diocese at the time, and she was the reason Dumox was coming over, and so that's where we met. Oh and um, she, she actually picked me up, me and Eric, up from the hotel outside of Heathrow. Because we landed, we had never been overseas before. We were complete zombies. We did not do it, do it the right way. We, our sleep schedule was all messed up. But we stayed in a hotel. She picked us up. So her first impression of me is like, you know, in jet just lagged. jet lag, sweatpants, and whatever. I don't know. It, was, it was, just wasn't glamorous. And so, um, but I'm asking her all these questions and probably super annoying her. Um, cause I'm like, whoa, other side of the road. Whoa. What's that road sign mean? What, what's the, what's parliament like? What's the queen, you know, just being a little obnoxious. How was it having tea with the queen last week? Rebecca? Right? Yeah. A little, little, uh, uh, delirious, a little obnoxious. Um, and so anyways, but yeah, it was, it was a week into that trip that, um, when we went to Walsingham is when it really, you know, um, mama Mary was kind of shoving me with her elbow in the in the side like hey like my daughter Rebecca is is a beautiful beautiful woman and that's not how Mary said it it was a little more subtle <laughs> um, but almost like this it, it's like she didn't say anything she kind of more just like opened my eyes and just like mm. it was like something something changed something shifted in like the way that I saw Rebecca and all of a sudden I'm like I just yeah I couldn't stop thinking about her I was like getting nervous around her starting to flirt a little bit and um, by the end of the trip, Eric, I finally told Eric because I was conflicted because I was like, I didn't come over here to find a, a, a girlfriend English or anything. Girlfriend. Yeah, <laughs> I came over here to work and, um, and you know, just minister and, and, you know, now I can't even help myself. And, um, and Eric, you know, I was like, I, dude, I, I think I like Rebecca. And he's like, oh, yeah, I could tell. I was like, <laughs> yeah, of course you could. Um, but anyway, so then it was at, at the end of the trip. We had just gotten back from Ireland, and I texted Rebecca, and I was like, hey, let's be tourists one last time and go hang out in the city. He basically tricks me into a date. Yeah. Oh, okay. Did you tell her it was a date? Was no. it Was it a date? Well, it, it was on date and on date. I don't think we ever officially said anything. Yeah. I just, <laughs> date-ish. I, date-ish. Yeah, in that it wasn't an official date as much as it was we ended up doing dinner. And, and, I, and, I, and I like becoming friends. Having intentional one-on-one time. Yes. We, we, yeah, I paid, you know, so it was kind of a date. <laughs> uh, but I, so I, you broke my rule of not intentionally saying, I want to take you on a date. <laughs> right. So, I mean, it's funny because he has this whole like, oh my gosh, this was like the most amazing providential, like the Lord's been amazing story of like these two weeks. 
And my experience of those two weeks was just a totally different one. Okay, wait, wait. Let, let him finish yes, and then sorry, I want to hear you're yours. you're good. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. you took her on a date and on date. So I took her out. But, <laughs> well, yeah, and the, as soon as we arrived, like, we met up, She the first thing she says is, hey, where's Eric? Uh. <laughs> I'm like, oh, he's not feeling well. Uh, uh, which it's he, just us. He kind of wasn't because mm-hmm. he had just climbed Crow Patrick the day before. So he's a little wow, bit tired. That's yeah. Impressive. Yeah. And so... Um, I couldn't because I had food poisoning from uh, black pudding. Do not get that stuff. It makes you sick. It made me sick. Um, but for all of our listeners overseas, if you love it, go you. Each tea ran. Yes. I could. Well, it, I also showed a picture of it to you, and you were like, "That doesn't." It even was look like, like a it. slice of pie. It was weird. I don't. Even, oh, it's I don't really think, weird. Is it normally like a sausage? It's normally like a circular disc. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like it, a sausage, right? Yeah. So. It, it I don't was, know what he had. Yeah, so they might have. So you ate something with yeah, blood in it. Maybe it you wasn't. Don't know. Yeah, maybe it wasn't. What uh, it was? Anyways, blood it was. Yeah. So gross. Oops. Anyways, so uh, <laughs> so we uh, we go out on the town. It's really awesome, and um, you know this is like I think what was this November first? Yeah. Yeah, and so you know November first is basically December fifteenth. So all the Christmas stuff was already up. Um, <laughs> And so it was actually kind of cool walking around um, mm. and uh, with all the Christmas stuff. And we just were talking about dreams oh, and goals. So and Yeah, it was really that's cool. Um, and we were out there. We were hanging out in the city for like four or five hours. But by mm. the end of it, um, we get to the, the tube. And um, there's literally a, like a, four, a 90 degree fork. So she's like, oh, okay, well, your line's that way and mine's this way. And I was like, oh, let me walk you to yours. And she's like, okay. And, um, and so I tried to be super smooth and I was like, uh, you know, it, it sucks. We live on different continents. And she's like, yeah. And I was like, I don't know what, what if she would have said no? That's a weird question. And so I was getting, I was getting really nervous because, um, like at, at this point in time, I had had a string of, uh, just some rejections, some good, some kind of not so ideal, um, in, in, in the, in the delivery, like I'm okay if, you know, that people said no. Um, but, um, but it still hurts. It's still painful. Yeah. Well, and, and the reason I bring that up is because I was like facing some fear of like, Oh, I don't want another one. But then, but I had, I had talked that. to one of my best friends, Hector, and then of course, Eric before, and they both were really good brothers and were like, dude, like just be brave. Just do it. What do you have to lose? Oh, and then, of course, friends. also the practical side of, dude, you'll never see this girl again. Like, if it goes poorly. Yeah. You're, she's I, going on the other tube line. Right, right. And she lives across the ocean. And so, um, anyway, so, yeah, we get to the end of that kind of, we get to the actual, uh, to the line. Um, and uh, and finally, I'm just like, okay, just just do it. And it's like one of the, you know, I guess grace filled kind of courageous moments that mm. changed my life, you know, mm. um, where I just, I said, you know what? Um, these past few weeks have been awesome getting to know you. I think you're super beautiful and holy and funny. And, um, I've really enjoyed, uh, spending time and getting to know you. And I don't know what this would look like, but I, I would like to pursue you. Um, and there's kind of a beat, and then she just smiled and said, "Yeah." And I was like, honestly, didn't expect her to say yes, but uh, it was super awesome. So, you know, Mary's yes changed the universe, and Rebecca's yes changed mine, and um, and so yeah, and you know, like the tubes flying by and the winds making her hair flow. And it's totally a movie moment, and 
you know, you, you all might be thinking, did you kiss her? I did not. Um, <laughs> it wasn't a real date. So. That's true. It wasn't a real no, date. Yeah. But you did, you were very intentional with mm-hmm. telling her you wanted to pursue her. Yeah. Yes. So yes. you redeemed yourself and not asking her on the date because you told her you wanted right. to be intentional yeah. with moving forward. And I told I tell her all the time, I'm like, man, that night I wanted to hold your hand so bad. But we didn't even do that. Like I, it was it was good friendship times. And that's the thing is the whole time I was there, it just felt like really easy to be friends with her. Um and we, you know, we goofed off and we bonded over a few things. And um yeah, just just I think, and even for myself, I don't have to go too deep into this, but like just the way that I was, um, this weird kind of, I wouldn't say weird, but the fact that I had um, a freedom to be myself and maybe mm. it's because I was overseas or I don't know, but um, just, I don't know. I, yeah, I guess because I wasn't expecting to, I wasn't in the mindset of like <laughs> trying to date somebody, you sure. know, I was totally you were just, just yourself. 100% myself. Yeah, and no I pressure. Think, and, and, you know, the old me when I had a crush or something wasn't usually that way. And I'm not saying that's the reason it failed, but I think, um, for any, you know, I guess the tip for anyone out there is just, man, just be yourself and you'll go a lot further in mm. your, in that search, you know? Oh, I love that. Um, yeah. So, all right, your turn. Yeah. My experience of the three weeks of Will, it's just so funny to me that the first time he leaves the country, he meets me. But there we go. <laughs> Here we are. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty uh, Lesson number two, if you find, you can find your spouse overseas. You totally I'm just can. Kidding. And you can make it work. That's you can. True. You can. Visas are fun, but other than that, it's great. Actually, we don't recommend it, but yeah. It wouldn't be. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, those... So in some ways, my journey of like even leading up to that has been like years in the making. So the reason that he came over was because of Demox mm-hmm. um, and their Theology of the Body Retreat Echo. And my first Echo that I went on was in 2013. So mm. actually, it had been even five years up until that point. Wow. So, um, so the a re- year after Walsingham encounter with our lady right wow so i go out to louisiana randomly basically because my old formation director who i did missions with was american moved back to the states was living with brian and his family okay and he's the director of demox founder director brian butler you'll look it up on the hashtag or the links that will be in there (laughs) it's all there so i go out to visit her because she's like people can come anytime and i think i was just in a stage of my life where i wanted I don't know, pursue adventure maybe. And so I went out to visit and they were great. And they were like, you should totally come back for Echo. And I remember at the time being like, well, that would just be absurd because who in the world ever flies to the United States more than once in a year? Because that's just, it's a long way and who would do that? But I went back mm-hmm. and I was working in youth ministry at the time. And in I, England. In England for, London, for the Diocese of Westminster. And I said to my boss like, hey, this retreat's happening and could I go? And he was like, yeah, sounds great. And I was like... <laughs> okay so in May so I was there in the January and then I came back in the May um and it was just it was beautiful partly because one of the things that I really love about Echo is that they try to create the civilization of love right Mm. like they bring all of these people in they form their young adults who then form the teens when they come in and there's a huge emphasis on art and beauty and sports and just living good friendship as well as teaching. Mm. And I think like that was really something that struck a chord in my heart at the time. And um, there was another guy who had come out with us. So he was in formation to be a deacon for our diocese, um, Liam. He was also a chaplain for one of the schools. So he was somehow connected into this and the, he had flown out at a, at a different time to me, but the two of us were both at this 
retreat going, this would be awesome to bring back to the UK. And I was just like, this is a lot and I don't know. And I felt like in some way someone had handed me this giant gift and I was like, I don't know what to do with this. Mm. But I came home and we started that process of like, what would it look like to make Echo happen in the UK? And just recognizing that we just don't have a lot of resources and a lot of places for people to be formed. So we ended up doing, we started the process and it took a couple of years to start. And then in 2017, we did our first young adult weekend. I was like, let's start with a weekend. Like, and it went well, it wasn't like phenomenal, but it went as smoothly as it probably could considering it was the first time you do anything. And there was a lot of, I think, grace. There was a lot that I found very difficult in like the lead up to that. It just felt like a lot of exhaustion, I guess, being poured into this, but it was beautiful. So we came out of that being like, and I just felt like the Lord was asking me to like dream big, Mm. like go bigger. Mm. So the whole Mm. point of Echo is that it's a weekend for young adults and then a week for teens. So I was like, that's what we should do. Um, And we had a diocesan retreat center that was being finished, being built. So we were like, that's going to be great. It was... um, due to be like four or five months in advance done. Um, So we were like, let's just go for it. And I had like this whole team of people that I had been asking to like pray and fast. So for like the entire year, once a month, we had like a fast day to like lead up to this retreat. And I was like, this is amazing. And we were trying, and everything was a little bit slow, but I wasn't super stressed out about it. I was just like, it's going to happen because that was the invitation of what we were being called into. And... I had a friend of mine who I was being a bridesmaid at a wedding in Oregon. So she had been on like a mission oh. a few years before that was American. So she was getting married in. So I was like flying out to Seattle and then down to Oregon, maybe like three weeks before this retreat in October. So I was like gone for 10 days and then I would come back and I'd have like a week before all of the Americans arrived for this retreat. So it was a little bit last minute, but I was like, it's all going to be great. The adventures. And maybe like four days before I left to go to Oregon, they were like, actually the retreat center is not going to work and you can't host it here. Oh. And I was like, Amanda, are uh, you kidding? Right. So I had like this whole, I'm sure it's going to be fine. And my first thought was like, Providence is going to provide somewhere else. And I'd been spending a couple of like times just being like, I wonder if it's supposed to be somewhere else. So I'm like, I'm just going to call all of these people that I know and be like, do you have any space randomly, miraculously for us to have this retreat at your place? And everywhere said no. And I was like, uh, what are we, what are we going to do? And I was just, it was just really difficult. Like actually the entire three weeks that they were in the States was just super difficult because nothing was how it should have been. So we actually ended up having to like semi cancel the retreat that we were doing. We did a bit of a portion of the young adult stuff, which turned out to be awesome, but we did the young adult weekend. And then we ended up having all of this time where I was like, well, we have paid a lot of money to have this whole team over And I need to kind of try and make that, like my people in the diocese were like, where are we having any like feedback from that? Where's the, like (laughs) the profit, like the recognition that we're paying something, what are we getting in return? I was like, what are we going to do with them? But we ended up doing things like going to Walsingham for the weekend and they Mm. ended up doing something for our seminarians and it ended up being very beautiful. But the whole experience for me was just one of feeling very let down by the Lord Mm. and just a lot of disappointment. And I'm pretty sure I spent most of those three weeks in floods of tears which is hilarious to me that I somehow met my spouse during all of (laughs) that. That is Because my attractiveness was like negative 50. Well, the the way you felt, like, because during adoration, um, so one of the talks that Brian gave, he kind of talked about um, how Adam and Eve, like, were basically for each other, like a window of who God, of of God. So it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, I can see, like, you know, God, as if he was standing behind you, mm. but like, I can see God, you know, like, sure. like Through you're, you. you're the window of God yeah. or whatever. Um, cause they, you know, they were so pure and holy and blah, blah, blah. And it, you know, obviously, 
Um, it was the beginning of it all. Um, and so he had just gotten done kind of talking about that. And like, you know, I was playing piano, uh, playing piano for adoration. And sometimes whenever you're playing and not leading, you kind of just wander a bit like, mm. you know, uh, so, so I'm, I'm just kind of like playing, but it's repetitive. So I'm kind of like on autopilot, just kind of looking around and observing. And I like, I saw Rebecca just like praying super authentically. And so like, um, just with conviction and, and, you know, um, yeah, she looked, she looked awesome and beautiful. And I remember looking at her and this was before I like, this is before I started crushing on her. This is just friend <laughs> stage. You know, this is like the first three or four days that I'm there and I'm looking and I, and I look and I'm like, whoa, I see what he's saying. Like, she seems like a super holy person. I can only like, really see the Lord in her, you know, just shining. Like oh, it was man. weird. It was like, I could, I, nothing was physically happening, but I could like kind of see like mm. a lot of this just light and brightness coming from her heart and soul. Mm. Um, and I was like, whoa, that's cool. And then I kept playing, you know. <laughs> Which sounds like super cute and romantic. But for me, that was like, I think the moment of like being broken open. There were like this series of events that happened that like, it was just a super exhausting week. So when like Will's like, hey, we're all meeting up to like hang out in London. I'm like, okay, cool. So I turn up being like post work and whatever I was wearing that day. And it turns out that it's like this date. Right. And I'm like, well, it turns out that it's just him. And I remember feeling like <laughs> super flustered of like, and yet again, one more thing that you know, didn't go just the like, way the I thought way. it was going to go. And it was just this whole, like, this is different. I'm like, oh, this has changed the dynamics of what I thought this was going to be. But it turned out to be just such a good evening. Like, mm. I think I've never felt so comfortable just talking with somebody. And we laughed a lot and we had great conversation and some things that were like super deep and some things that were not. And we had horrible service wherever we were. Oh yeah. <laughs> but actually it was, we just had a really good evening. Mm. So when he was standing there at the tube platform and he's like, by the way, I want to, I want to pursue you. It was, I, I forget the exact words that you used. And I'm pretty sure we don't have the whole, I really kind of wish that I did, but I don't, but I forget exactly what you said, but I basically felt like it was just an openness to staying in touch. Right. It's not a let's be married. It was a can I continue to contact you and maybe see where this goes Um, to which I was like, yeah, like if nothing else, I think you would be a really great friend. And there was an ease to this in our relationship. Yeah. Um, So that was how we met. I love it. That was a long story. So I love it. Yeah. OK, so we are getting near the end of the time that I had allotted for this. Who wants to tell the story? No. I think I need you both to tell the story. Okay. As quickly as you can, how you knew God was calling you to marry. Mm -hmm. I need you each to tell this. Okay. Marry each other? Yes. Marry like how other. did you know Will was your husband and how did you know Rebecca was your wife? I think I need you each to tell. for me, I would say there was a degree of, I knew very quickly and I also didn't all at the same time. Um, so I think within like the first month, even before like he came back to the States. So we had like this date and on date. We're talking on FaceTime. Well, even before that, so he leaves the next day. So we have our date. Within five hours, he's on a plane going back oh, to America. Oh, so was that like was the end of it. Hours, but, anyway. <laughs> but anyways, he's gone. So um, I had already decided, post all of this retreat stuff, that I was going to have a couple of days of silent retreat in Walsingham. Mm -hmm. So I'd already booked that and was like, actually, I'm, yeah, cool. I'm glad that you've landed. I'm actually going to be off the grid for like two days. Um, so maybe we'll just sort of see how things are after that. 
and um, I was in Walsingham and I was in adoration and I felt like the Lord was just trying to remind me that the gift of the Annunciation is to do with receptivity and can I learn to let someone love me mm. and that was like the moment of like oh, okay I think I need to learn to say yes to this um, and so we start talking pretty much every day over FaceTime. It wasn't a lot to start off with in terms of like time, but I felt like it just naturally grew. Yeah. And I would say that I have always been a semi-awkward person. The older I've got, the less it's become so. But I've always felt <laughs> particularly on the phone and different things. And if I'm nervous, I'm like super clammy and whatever. And I have nothing to say. And conversation was always easy with Will. I think there was a degree oh. of friendship, but I also think that you were just very good at making me feel at ease and you asked good questions and you were happy to fill the gaps and you were also happy for there to be silence so I think there was a lot of things very early on and I remember telling one of my friends that like I you sort of have like the checklists right in your head and I tried really hard not to have the checklist because I didn't really want to be this is what he must be but how Will sort of filled all of these things that I would not have even I thought were on the list but I didn't really put high on the list so things like He's just a really good person at being a good gift to people. He gives mm. up his time and he has one of the things that I loved, even from like um, our non-date date, we talked a lot about our friends and Will has a whole bunch of friends from middle school and like early school years and since like the beginning of your time of life. <laughs> and I love the fact that he has invested in people over decades, mm. right? Like there's, that spoke something to me and I have those people too, but I think that speaks something to, I have an ability to make relationships work over time mm. um, and to sort of go through the ups and downs of those things. And I remember like that became like a subconscious thing that I looked for in, mm. in guys of like, do you have that? And you did. And we spoke about that and we had really great friends. And I loved the fact that he was very trusting of the Lord to the point that he was willing to put action behind it versus mm. just talk. Yeah. So there was a degree of, there was a lot of things very early on. I was like, I think I could marry him. And then in my very Rebecca kind of way, I think I spent like the next year trying to figure that out of like almost just testing it, which I don't think is a bad thing. I wouldn't have wanted to like agree to be engaged after a month. But like, um, so we actually got engaged a year later. And even then, I think as he was proposing, I think I said yes, because I knew that I loved him. But I remember like processing a lot that whole day. He proposed in Walsingham, which is beautiful. Mm. But it's like a three hour drive back to my home. So the whole drive home. And then like, I, w I remember waking up the next morning deciding like, is this it? Because if it's not, you need to decide that now. And like mm. that I had like this grace period of like, I know I said yes yesterday, but actually I think we still need more time or whatever. I'm sure it would have been fine. And I remember being like, is he the one that I want to marry? And I remember feeling that he was someone that I could trust with my life. Mm. And that was what I wanted. Like I knew that regardless of whatever would come, because we knew that there was a lot of things that we didn't know, that you were... And it was almost like this image of like being stuck together in the storm. Mm. Um, and like that was the image that I had in my prayer like early that next morning, um, which was beautiful. And my engagement ring is a pearl because it's to do with the pearl of great price of like, can you leave everything for the sake of a something? Mm. And that was just a big thing for me of to a degree that through death comes life. Can we die to self in order for new life to be? So I think there was a, a myriad of things. The fact that he was a phenomenal human um, coupled with just time and like process with that in the Lord. And there was just a lot of clarity for me. I love that. All right, your turn. Yeah. 
Um, I knew whenever uh, she said yes, and then I flew home the next day. Uh, that's about it. <laughs> so no, but actually for real, I um, so that was really awesome. Whenever I landed and we FaceTimed, and she was like, "Yeah, I've got this retreat." So maybe we like not talk for a few days and see how we feel. And we hung up and I was like, dang, I like, I like her even more now. That's so wise, you know? And so, you know, it worked out actually because, um, you know, she went on a retreat. I went up to College Station to hang out with some college friends because we, we have a yearly reunion up there. And um, I was talking to one of them at the football game and just saying, kind of talking about Rebecca and just like <laughs> fleshing that out and be like, man, I... Something special about this one. Something's different, and he's a big romantic too. So he's over there, like, dude, you gotta do it, man. You gotta follow your heart. And I'm like, I <laughs> to I, England. Yeah, I was like, actually, I would move over there for her. And like, I don't know, like all these crazy things. Just, I mean, it's not like we had just met. We'd hung out for three weeks, so like, I, I knew her pretty well. I, I, well, I thought I did. Um, obviously, I know her a lot better now, but. Um, you had a taste, and it was something that made you want to continue to press into the discernment. Oh, yeah. Right? Both from her, who she was, but also the Lord stirring, the grace yeah. stirring. You were able to know, like, this is worth my time, yeah. even though she's over in England. And right. And, and and I think even dating overseas really makes you actually discern that quicker, you know? And that's going to be part two. I'm definitely cutting you off on that. Yeah. I want to hear the story of what it was like to date... Yeah. You know, there are a lot of people who do long distance for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And hearing y'all talk and play off each other, I'm going to have you back to process that. Cool. Cool. But as far as knowing <laughs> Sorry, her. This is like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's great. It's, it's far as, yeah, as far as that, like, I, I think I probably knew with within, like, the first couple months that I'm like, oh, I really want to, I, I think this is my wife and I really want to make that happen. And Of course, as long as she's open for it, you know. And yeah. she was. Yay. And one of the things that you pointed out earlier, and I also just... No, because we're friends, is that you had dated more than just one person, mm -hmm. you know, five years ago. And yeah. so you, I wonder how much that played into it too, that you had dated and knew some things you wanted and some things you didn't want. And you were able to see mm -hmm. in her quickly, oh, she has these things that I want. She doesn't have these things that I've already decided aren't a good fit for me. Sure. Do you think that that played a role in being able to know, yeah. quote unquote, so quickly? No, absolutely. For sure. For sure. I'd... I, I had been in maybe two or three relationships that were two years or more or whatever. And so, um, so yeah, I, I definitely, I, I had the quote unquote list, but it's funny because kind of going off what she said, she, there were things about her that were kind of on the quote unquote list that I'm like, same, I'm like, whoa, I didn't even realize like this is, the, you know, like, I'm, Jesus, you knew I needed this. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm super extrovert and she's pretty introvert and it's like, I, you know, I'd always heard the cliche opposites attract, but I was something about her being so different was way more attractive to me than I ever mm -hmm. realized. Um, but aside from that, like she's just extremely intentional. Um, she is super holy, um, <laughs> super fun to be around, easy to talk to very, you know, um, just extremely authentic, you know? So yeah, I think the way that I tend to like phrase it is that we're very different people in the way that we like externally like relate to the world but actually our core values are extremely similar and I don't mm. think that I had ever met someone who aligned so much with my core values of what I thought was a good life and a good person and a good way to use our lives and I feel like we might express that differently but at the core of who we are we're extremely similar, mm, yeah. uh, which is beautiful. But you knew, like after, you know, spending your 20s not with each other, you knew who you were. Exactly. And so you were able right. to see those core values in the other person. Right. Whereas if you'd spend your 20s, 
I don't know, doing all the things that were running from yourself because it was so painful right. to still be single or not be with your spouse or whatever, right. you would not have known who you were to be able to see that in the other person. Right. And that's beautiful too. Yeah. And in the breakup, um, before, like in the relationship I had before Rebecca, um, there was a lot of pain and a lot of confusion with certain things that we don't need to get into, but you know, um, unashamedly, like I went to counseling for six weeks to kind of work through some Love stuff. It. And then I, I let it. myself, um, I let myself sit, sit in the ache. I would wake mm. up in the morning and, and, you know, let myself feel it. And I was, I would pray, I would work out. Like I had a really good spiritual, emotional and physical balance going mm. on and, mm. um, you know, kind of leaning into that and really growing as a human, um, in yes. that sense. And, yes, and yes, yes. with the goal yes. in mind with, the, you know, I had the foresight of like, you know what, like if I'm going to get married or if I'm going to be a priest or whatever, um, I'm going to like use this ache as fuel, yes. um, yes. to, to make myself the best version of myself. Mm. Um, because you know, the JP two quote, um, man, I'm going to butcher it. Sincere gift. No. <laughs> yes. Gaudium at Spez 22. Man cannot find himself except with sincere gift of self. There is that we what go. you're saying? That's what it is. Yeah. yeah. And, but, and so like I knew, you know, that I kind of let that seep in and, and I, you know, and I've, and ever since I heard that quote from learning TOB in college, I'd always kind of made that an ethos to just try to be as best as I can, mm. um, for my future spouse, for my right. family, yeah. as well as for everyone else that I encounter. But and I would say like, that's really, I guess I'll, I, we've spent like an hour doing this of like, but that's really summed up like our discernment story of, I think we were both in our own little worlds trying to be the best gifts that we could be to mm. the people around us at the time. Mm. And I remember sort of like in the midst of all of my singleness being like, marriage is not the goal. Heaven is the goal. And like, mm. how do I try and move closer mm -hmm. to heaven in like my day to day today? Right. right? Yes. A spouse yes, might yes. not be on like the horizon today, but actually heaven could be. And like, mm. how do I be sincere gift? And how do I learn to love people? Recognizing that when that spouse came along, it was just actually very easy. Mm -hmm. There was a whole bunch of things like with the long distance that like was complicated, right? And living in different countries and figuring out visas. But actually this relationship was easy mm. um, yeah. because yeah. I knew who I was. So partly felt like just the ability to like, let me tell you this thing of like why I've reacted the way that I react versus him trying to be like, what's going on with you? Like, oh, I know that actually this kind of comes from this thing and like I'm working on it, but just so you know, like that's what I'm doing or like whatever. Um, there was an ability to know yourself, but also an ability to have already practiced all of those virtues. Sure. I love it. I love it. Well, y'all, thank you so, so much. Thank you for having us. You're so yeah. welcome. Yes, normally these episodes are about half an hour, but I had both of you tell your story together because I wanted y'all who are listening to hear the dynamic between the two of them. I think it's so beautiful, and I think the way that they tell this phenomenal story of finding each other, the Lord leading them to each other, mm -hmm. but then their willingness to say yes um, so this was kind of two episodes in one that you got both their discernment stories. So y'all, thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for your yes, both to this uh, podcast, but really mostly to each other and to letting the world be a, a better place because of your love for each other. So thank y'all so much. Thank you. Thanks for having us. I hope y'all enjoyed this chat with Will and Rebecca. I love their story for so many reasons. First of all, I think y'all know I love England. So that's all, always fun to to hear about this like 
yummy romance that happened across the sea. But I also really love how they both had their own individual journeys that were so different, but the Lord used their individual journeys to bring them to each other. So I feel like there's so much for anyone who's listening to glean from the story because the Lord covers so many different topics. I don't know. I'm, I'm so excited for you guys to have gotten to listen to them. So, um, just in conclusion, I want to remind you about the TOB Congress that's going to be virtual this year. Of course, no one's surprised by that. But there are they have a lot of really neat things planned for it, and they're going to do it live. Um, and they're really they're, we're working hard on it. I'm so excited about it. So it's October 30th to November 1st. There are some amazing keynote speakers um, and breakout speakers, and you can find more information at tobcongress.com. So again, thank you for joining us, and until next time. Stay close to the heart of Jesus and be not afraid. The Discerning Marriage Podcast is brought to you by the Theology of the Body Institute. For more information about discerning marriage, visit discerningmarriage.com. To learn more about the theology of the body, visit tobinstitute.org.